Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Becky and Judd right now. Yes. Kenny, Ooh. did you stay up late watching the NFL draft last night? <laughs> no, I did not. I'm, I'm oh. sorry to admit. Oh, okay. well, I can't I'm, believe you missed it. I, I'm oh. ashamed to admit that. Oh, okay. Uh, I right. apologize. Well, you still have time. The second round, third round tonight. Oh, my God. Yeah. You got a thing? I got to set my DVR. <laughs> All day Saturday, basically? Yeah. You want to watch it then? Yeah, yeah. Kenny's in. All right. Hey, weekend. let's get started with the opening bell. Maggie and Judd. Oh, this will be a pick six. Mike Hughes picks up the loose football and will have an interception for a touchdown. And that will just about do it for UCF. With the 30th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Mike Hughes, defensive back, University of Central Florida. Bounced around a bit, really settled in and matured. And we're into a great player this past year for Central Florida. Technique, his footwork, his ball skills, <laughs> his athleticism are all top-notch. He's also got tremendous returnability. He could be a lead corner, a number one corner, and also help out big time in the return game. Mike Hughes on potential alone is very exciting. Come on, look, before we get, continue, when did we blend return ability or the ability to return kicks into yeah. just like one word that is returnability. I feel is it like, just more efficient when you're putting together 200 audio draft I profiles? I feel like in the last 10 years or so that we've been morphing that way. We it, just put ability on the end of a word. Yeah, returnability. He's got returnability. I mean, he gets the ball, he can return it. Yeah, I he, feel like it, he's or he's he's yeah. a return man. He has returnability. <laughs> but listen to the whole Kuiper thing because it's in shorthand. That's the beauty. It's yeah. always in shorthand. He also speaks like he's like his voice is riding a jet ski. Mike Hughes, he's a good cover corner, like hitting just hitting the top of the wave, talking about football. Bounced around a bit, really settled in and matured. And we're into a great player this past year for Central Florida. Yep. Technique, his footwork, his ball skills, his athleticism are all top-notch. He's also got tremendous returnability. He could be a lead corner, a number one corner, and also help out big time in the return game. Mike Hughes on potential alone is very exciting. Uh, round one, we're going to have a little bit of a surprise pick. This is going to be Mike Hughes, uh, a cornerback out of UCF. Man, I love this kid. You know, he got into a bit of a scuffle at a frat party. We all have, you know. Who, who here hasn't gotten into a little fight at a party here and there? The surprise pick in round one, okay? We can mark that down. There, one for one. <laughs> Randy in Cottage Grove is one for one. Although, it's, it's sort of <laughs> impressive. If he nails like a fourth round, well, they don't have one. If he nails like a fifth round pick, oh, then it's, or one of the like a sixth round I, pick, I feel like this is pretty good though, because we, we spent the past two days saying that we thought they might trade the pick or take a, a guard, and he nailed it. That's pretty good. We uh, went through credit. a million mocks. That name was not on one of them. 
Yeah, you're right. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. You're right. It was mostly offensive linemen. So do you think last night, and by the way, Judd and I were, at, we were doing Facebook Live until like 11 o'clock last night and, uh, and hanging out with Manny here. If you want to go back and watch us just basically sitting in a dimly lit room talking about sports, rip, mostly talking wolves and stuff, you can find that on Facebook.com slash 1500 ESPN. But um, I, I, I feel like, the well, now Rick Spielman said, and we'll play some of these sound bites throughout the show, but that that Mike Hughes was the number one player on their board at that time, which who knows? Like, I mean, yeah. he could be making that up yeah. too, but just to pump Mike Hughes' tires. were coming into, by the way. I think they probably had a couple of those offensive linemen. Maybe Frank Ragnow was high on their list, but you had a little bit of a run on offensive linemen. And so, and also they spent $90 million on a quarterback and Mike Zimmer saying, wait a second, if you're going to spend $30 million a year on a quarterback, I get the first round draft pick on defense. Yes, you draft I agree with that. The, you draft all let's, the guards you want starting in the second round. Let's strip away the BS completely, okay? So let's strip away the draft board and the phone calls that were coming into the TCO performance place. Bounce around a bit. really. <laughs> yeah, let's take it all away. And I think Zim said, listen, meathead, Rick. You just spent all this money on a quarterback. Give me more defensive players. And Rick's like, okay, we'll do. Ah, uh, Mike Hughes, just put his name down. Very excited uh, to get the player we're able to get at number 30. Uh, as we sat there and watched the board unfold, uh, he was the highest rated player on our draft board at the time. And the one philosophy that we've uh, always going to do is uh, follow that board to how we have it developed. You know, I do think the punt return and the kick return uh, did play a big, big part of it. Returnability, uh, Mike. You know, we weren't as explosive in, in our return game as we wanted to be last year. This Uh-oh. this kid will help us in, in all, all phases of special teams. Um, and then we're going to mature him into uh, into <laughs> being uh, a full-time player. I don't know how, how soon that will be, but uh, he's got uh, the traits that we're looking for. Uh, we feel like that he's, he can play inside or outside as a corner. Oh, and Marcus Sherrill's pack, pack, a, pack a bag. <laughs> oh, I mean, you can still catch punts, I guess, in training camp. Okay, we're going to mature him. I've never heard that, that one before of you. We're going to... Now, now, I've certainly heard the term, we're going to help him mature into a good player. But mature him now. That's a new one to me. Um, and it could, and, and, and we can, we're going to dive into this too. It, it could mean, it could be sort of a, an acknowledgement to some checkered things in Mike Hughes' past. You know, Dalvin Cook had a couple similar things, although a bit of apples to oranges comparison there. I will say this on, on Mike Hughes. I definitely trust Mike Zimmer on defensive players. Yes. You know, it's, I don't. I'm not going to sit here and claim to have watched a lot of Central Florida games, although the Vikings have drafted a national champion. So congratulations Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to uh, Mike Hughes. But, I mean, outside of maybe Mackenzie Alexander, who the jury is very much still out on him because he's only going into his third year, it ain't like there's many first and second, third round in Mike Zimmer, in the Mike Zimmer era, busts or guys who just can't contribute. I mean, Eric Kendricks has been incredible. Daniil Hunter is a great pass rusher. Trey Waynes, at worst, has been... Startable, and at best he's been yeah no he's pretty he's, he's shown really good flashes yeah, right he's so, developed uh, Anthony Barr you know probably we probably had heightened expectations based on his first year or two yep but Anthony Barr has been great so in general when Mike Zimmer identifies someone early in the draft yep or has someone like a like a like a Xavier Rhodes who was drafted before he got there these guys turn into players. They do. Here's where I will uh, give this team credit because for a long time they tried to do this in a a way that that I found to be questionable and sort of dumb, and they stopped. Cornerbacks. 
I now you can find them, but that's a position that if you want want quality at that spot, I say first round pick. And so the days of Asher Allen, 2009, third round, too small to play, wasn't good, washed out. Marcus McCauley, third round, 2007, same thing. Yeah. And this whole thing of trying to get by and be like, oh, we we can fill that, that spot, and then guys constantly get burned. The Packers come in and just kill you. So I think that they finally got smart in between the fact that, that Zim can coach these guys, but just as importantly, they're taking talented guys. So you take Rhodes in what, uh, 2014? They're taking good football and he's players. Rick Spielman delivered on his promise. You, you are, you are good football players. You are about to have uh, if this if this all works out and Rhodes and Wayne start in the outside, and Hughes starts uh, inside or starts at some point next year. Three, three of your five starting defensive backs, all first-round picks. Mm-hmm. That's the smart move. In in a league where you are constantly trying to shut down the pass, which has become very, very potent and good, you don't want to have a bunch of third-round and, and fifth-round picks trying to stop the pass. Yeah, and so one, I like one thing I want to squash right away, and it, it just bothers me when, when people think so rigidly about the NFL draft, that the Vikings have a huge void along the offensive line, they they at least need a guard, if not a tackle, and then push Mike Remmers. And, and that absol- that need absolutely still stands. But to say that because of that need, they have to take an offensive lineman in that spot is faulty thinking. If like go back in, into different into different eras of the draft or go back five, ten years ago. I mean there's instances where maybe your need was this, but this particular player over here was available. Your need was pass rusher, but Aaron Rodgers was on the table, yeah. right? Like, so if you go back, there's so much revisionist history to be done, but I'm okay with them taking something that plays to Mike Zimmer's strength. They're winning games, not because they're outscoring and track racing everyone offensively. They're winning games the last four years because they're one of the best pass-stopping defenses in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And if Mike Zimmer wants to add that type of a tool to the toolbox, I'm all for it. Doesn't mean they can't draft an offensive lineman tonight. If they don't do what what we want, they should all be fired. They shall be fired immediately, damn it. With the 30th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select... Mike Hughes, uh, a cornerback out of UCF. He got it. He got it. He nailed it. Ding, ding. All right. It's been, what, two seasons since we've been forced to dust this off? I don't think we did it last year. We did not need to. I mean, early in the year, they got off to a hot start. They they did not lose. During the course of the 2017 season, they did not lose five games in a row once. Well. Wheel of Dysfunction. All right, Judd, why don't you give it a spin here, all right? All right, let me, here we go. All right. Spin that wheel, and around it goes. Where it stops, nobody knows. Let's see here. Oh. Oh. Broken arrow. Wow. Fernando Rodney. Yeah. That was was quick work. If you're going to blow a save, at least do it efficiently. And he did yesterday. He's now blown three consecutive saves, by the way. So he's uh, he's having a hard time. But if you look back to last April, yes, you knew what you were signing up for. Mm-hmm. Fernando Rodney with Arizona last April pitched ten innings and gave up fifteen runs. In those ten innings, 
He gave up 16 hits and seven walks, so 23 base runners and, oh, and a hit by pitch. So 24 base runners in 10 innings last season yep. in the month of April Yep, had an ERA north of 12, and then he didn't give up a run. He didn't give up a run Yep, from May 1st, didn't give up a run until July 2nd. So can he flip the same switch where he just gets bombed in April and then doesn't give up a run for like two months. I, I am going to quash the ne- negativity that uh, that permeates the show right now and tell you this. Through well, it's eight, be- because of you, by the way, through the eight, negativity permeates through eight, the show. Through eight appearances last year in April with the Diamondbacks, Fernando Rodney had allowed six earned runs. Through eight appearances so far this year with your Twins, he's just at five earned runs, okay? So it's actually one fewer earned run so, so he's, far. It's improvement from last so April. It's impro- right. Yes, so he's not as horse bleep necessarily as he was last April. All right, let, let me give it a spin here because there's definitely more meat on this guy. Spin that wheel and around it goes. Where it stops, nobody knows. Oh, oh wow. This was, yeah. Oh, man. Miguel sucks. Oh, no. Okay, so I'll admit, I didn't see the the blown save happen so spectacularly. I didn't see the lead-up to the Gary Sanchez home run. Oh, So yeah, of those was... two Miguel Sano plays, yeah. was the, the, the second one in particular where people made it sound like he cut off Adrianza. He did. What, did he have an, did Adrianza have an actual play on that or a... I mean, the first one, Sano just, like, made a mockery I, of it, I, right? I thought it would have been close. The first one was, to me, the worst one because the the throw was so awful. And he, he got the ball and sort of fell down and tried to get up. And well, he, he skipped didn't it sort across. of fell down. Well, fell he fell down. down. He fell down. It was, it was Kent Herbeck in the Legends game at Target Field then, from eight years ago. And then, if, if Mauer's at first, do you think he makes yes, the pick? Yes, I was just going to say. and then Not to say, you know. Lomo's this, playing first. Yeah. And let me say something very quickly. But I think there's a problem here. When Sano, Lomo, and Lance Lynn all look like me right now. <laughs> now, I'm on a stool at Bunny's, all right? But I'm not really doing something that's all that important to to be in shape for. But when you're third baseman, you're first baseman, and and a starter, all look like they're consuming approximately as much food and beer as I am. I think we got a problem. Okay, if that baseball on the first play were a chicken wing, Sano protects it with his life, right? That ball never goes and rips it away and touches first. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if it's got some, you know, if it's. If it's like a honey barbecue thing, Lomo Lomo catches it in his mouth. Yes. There's an out recorded. Didi's out and no problem at all. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Congratulations to the twins for for pulling out new ways after 17 years to embarrass themselves at Yankee State. But you got the Reds now. Yeah, but you had the Rays and last if you weekend. Can't, true, but if you can't beat the Reds, if you don't, if you don't sweep God, the Reds, dude. you're in huge trouble. So uh, we're gonna have we're gonna have plenty more NFL draft recap. A lot of things, non-Vikings things to get into from the first couple hours of that draft. Write that down, predictions, and an accountability session at ten o'clock. Our guy Chris Singleton on Twins and Major League Baseball at eleven thirty. We'll get Matthew Collar either in studio or on the phone. He's going to be hosting in the afternoon a little Friday football fun fest coming back today. And so he'll be he'll be around the station and uh, and bouncing around covering the draft. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd are back. Audio level full volume. It's your time. On 1500 ESPN. All right, this will be a pick six. Mike Hughes picks up the loose football 
and will have an interception for a touchdown. And that will just about do it for UCF. With the 30th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Mike Hughes, a quarterback out of UCF. Bounced around a bit, really settled in and matured, and we're into a great player this past year for Central Florida. Technique, his footwork, his ball skills, his athleticism are all top-notch. He's also got tremendous return ability. He could be a lead corner, a number one corner, and also help out big time in the return game. Mike Hughes on potential alone is very exciting. He's, he's Judd Zolgad. He's got oh. tremendous couch ability. He's got drink ability. Fantastic. Wing eat ability. A star at Bunnies already. He's got uh, bar stool ability. Judd Zolgad. Uh, <laughs> so Mike Hughes does have a bit of a checkered past, depending on what you think of some of these alleged incidents. Um, I, I'm just going to read this from the Star Tribune. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think he did any actual, like he did some community service, but that was it was it, like yes, sort that's... of a he said, she said in Correct. one of them. But a report before the draft tied Hughes' departure from North Carolina to a 2015 sexual assault allegation that did not lead to any charges. He played at Garden City Community College in, in Kansas in 2016, then went to UCF as a transfer. The Vikings had Hughes at their practice facility in Egan at their Top 30 Prospects event and also visited with him at the scouting combine and at his pro day. He was also charged with a misdemeanor assault after a 2015 incident at a frat party, though those charges were eventually dropped after Hughes completed uh, the community service. Rick Spielman said, quote, we've spent a lot of time with a lot of people that had him in their football programs. We spent a lot of time with people outside football programs. After our extensive research, no question, we felt very confident with him coming in and being a Minnesota Viking. Uh, Dalvin Cook had a few more serious, and I would say his his rap sheet, so to speak, was a little well, bit longer and than yeah, this. Dated farther back too. Yes, for him. Yes. Um, I mean, it's like it's pretty simple. We talk about this all the time on the show. I always expect NFL teams to mostly ignore off the field transgressions unless those transgressions mean either a the player can't perform at the level he should, or B, fans and sponsors are so upset that the team loses money or starts to have empty seats in the stadium, right? I mean, right. they're judged on winning, and they're going to prioritize winning. A team is right. over someone's behavior almost every time. This, though, uh, to me, comes back to a very simple thing, and it's, uh, it's a word that Patrick absolutely hates, but it's culture. If you have, you can absorb players like this and bring them on board if you have a team that's stable. If the Vikings were making the Delvin Cook and Mike Hughes draft picks circa 2005, I might say to myself, okay, this is dicey. Because the culture at that time was not great. And and if you plop people in who have had problems and, and are young and now are suddenly rich into a system where you've got a bunch of guys that like to party and go drink and have fun, you got problems. But Zimmer going back to his time with the Bengals has been very clear about the fact that he almost likes guys like this in the sense that he works with them. And I think he really does. I don't think that's BS. Um, but, you know, Collar went through all the, the things that they did with Cook last year, how they put him right by veteran players, how those players constantly talked to, to him, how Cook immediately came here. And, and if he didn't mature immediately, he did quickly. And so I really think that when you take players like this, if you are the Cleveland Browns, you might have problems. But if you establish the fact that you've got a good locker room with veteran players who are willing to work with these kids, you're probably going to be fine. It's not always going to work, 
But you also can't say that that you absolutely won't draft these type of players because if you don't, you're passing on a lot yeah. of decent players. So with that, I know Rick Spielman was asked at the pre-draft press conference a couple days ago, what's the status of Terrence Newman? I mean, what is he, 39? Yeah, he's going to be 40 he's, in September. I mean, that's... For a non-quarterback, that's incredibly old to still be oh, in the for NFL. A guy in a second for a corner, yeah, yes, but ridiculous. he's he's still been productive, yep. and I just wonder what's the likelihood of him coming back to the Vikings, even in just like a backup role, just to be in that locker room. Because I think the stories that we've heard, like you said, about Dalvin Cook basically having a locker right next to Terrence Newman and Terrence Newman taking Dalvin under his wing, and there's a ton of value in that. I don't know if Terrence Newman would ever be open to a coaching staff job, but like the Vikings have a full coaching staff right now. I just think if if you have a guy in Mike Hughes that they're already talking about trying to mature and he'll start off as a return guy and then maybe we can get him into some of the other areas of defense and eventually maybe he'll be a shutdown cornerback. I don't know if he'll start the season, you know, as a defensive player in week one, but having Terrence if if they feel like he needs to be brought along a little bit slowly in some ways and they're already using the word mature Having Terrence Newman around would seem to be a huge asset. So that might be a sneaky thing to watch over the coming I weeks see if that. he comes back. Yeah, but they just, it's, this team uh, certainly had some time periods where where there were questionable characters. And then if you bring in more kids who have problems, that becomes a problem. But I really think that if you stabilize things, for the most part, it's fine. Now, the thing, too, I mean, and teams probably don't like to talk about this too much, but the question comes down to this, too. Can you play? You know, Chris Cook stunk. Like, Chris Cook's problems are like, there's there's no, when, when Chris Cook started to have problems off the field, you said to yourself, this isn't worth it. But if you're taking a guy in the first round and and he comes in and can play, and yeah, it takes a little bit extra work uh, to get him to, to mature, that can be an, an issue. But in this league, there probably comes a time where it's worth that trade-off. And Chris Cook's problems continued when he was a Viking. So. Yeah. So if and and may I don't know maybe if it was a Mike Zimmer locker room and you had you had stable pieces like Harrison Smith and Terrence Newman would Chris Cook have gone about his work and his business differently would his life have been different you know it's tough to answer that question because we just him. don't know uh, other things too I mean the, the the draft last night was going in it was fascinating just because you didn't know who the number one pick was going to be I think most years you figure by the time you get to the actual draft, you know pretty well who the number one pick is going to be. And last night, the Browns, there was like four quarterbacks the Browns could have taken number one overall, and they wind up with Baker Mayfield. And I'm trying to think of, and people are throwing Johnny Manziel's name out there, but like I don't even think Johnny Manziel fits this. Baker Mayfield might be the widest gap between what his college numbers look like, which mm-hmm. were just off the charts incredible, mm-hmm. and how I personally feel and other NFL teams, you know, how they feel about his demeanor and his personality. Like, you look at this guy and you look at the numbers and you just look at the production and the 70-plus percent completions and everything he did in the field, but then you look at him getting thrown off his game against Kansas and him running from police officers and tripping on a sidewalk and all these things that raise red flags, so... It's a gamble. I would have taken Josh Rosen if I were the Browns. Hell, if I'm the Browns, I might have taken quarterbacks at one and four just to make sure I have a better chance of getting a franchise it. quarterback. The Mayfield thing to me is if you if you had put him with a team in the right place, I think he's fine. Cleveland's just such a dumpster fire, and and I expect them to improve. But nonetheless, you're going to introduce this kid, and from day one, the expectations are, are huge. 
and he's going to walk into a place where where there aren't a lot of guys who who yet necessarily get, uh, get it there. I just don't I don't like it in that sense. I think he could be fine. The team that intrigues me the most, though, Phil, is the Giants. The Giants are either inc- were incredibly short-sighted and dumb or brilliant. Because when you're drafting two and you've got all those QBs there and you can pick and you've got a 37-year-old starter and that's it. Who hasn't really been and, and it's that a guy, great the last guy. And it's a guy who, who a year ago you essentially said, we think you're done. And you take, as good as Barkley might be, you don't take a QB. You either looked at this crop of QBs and said, there's a lot of them and, and they're not good. Or you missed really, yeah. really big. It is interesting. I think... To elect to not take a quarterback could be just as risky if Eli Manning is going to be out of the league in a year or two, and now you're just like, and and maybe because you drafted Saquon Barkley and you're going to bring in offensive wizard Pat Shermer, maybe you're going to be good enough to not draft high to take that next quarter. I mean, you might maybe you finish eight and eight or something, or seven and nine, and you're not drafting in the top five. I would say though, the people who made the decision, the front office and the coach who made the decision on Eli, you're going to take a back seat and we're going to play Geno Smith. Those guys are gone, right? I mean, they yes. all got fired. Yes. So it's it's possible Pat Shermer came in and, you know, new front office thinkers come in and say, wait a second, you know what? If we put the right offensive coordinator in here and get an actual running back and explode, when's the last time the Giants had a truly, ex- Tiki Barber, right? It's been 10 years yeah. since they had a truly. And their line's not been good either. No, but maybe having a new system and maybe having a running back that could help just pick intriguing. up it is because yes. there, there's a very good chance that that they they looked at the four remaining top QBs and just said they're not good enough. It feels like if they keep Odell Beckham Jr., it feels like they're trying to win and go to the playoffs and maybe win a Super Bowl this year, right? Yes, definitely trying to win. Like Saquon Barkley is a plug and play right now guy. Mm-hmm. Eli Manning is borderline Hall of Fame and like like you said, he's almost forty years old. So it is, yeah, and Pat Shermer, I don't think Pat Shermer signed on. If Pat Shermer had four different interviews, and I don't think Pat Shermer signs on to coach the Giants if they're just going to go into full rebuild mode. So maybe that was part of it. Maybe when Pat Shermer interviewed, he said, I, wanna, he said, I want Eli. I want to push forward with Eli and make this happen for a couple of years. 37, though. Yeah. Uh, let's take a break. Courtney Cronin is going to join us next from ESPN. She was at the Vikings practice facility last night. Yeah, getting the scoop and the lowdown. What are the Vikings going to do tonight? Offensive line would seem to be their biggest need in rounds two and three. We'll talk to Courtney when we come back. It's Mackie and Judd. By the way, 1500ESPN.com for full coverage. Purple podcast. Our Facebook live show from last night is also uh, available on the interwebs. We'll come back shortly. Phil Mackey. The thing about Phil is he's he's so temptable. He likes to go the thrill route. That's what makes Phil exciting. Judd Zolgad. Judd, have you wandered away from the house again? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. With the 30th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select. Mike Hughes, uh, the cornerback out of UCF. He brings the versatility, and one thing that's an emphasis here uh, is the ability to play multiple positions. And he can play outside, he can play inside, uh, he can play on special teams, he can be a returner. So this player was just too much value for us not to take it, it where we saw him in the draft. All right. So our, our plan, we, we were uh, live on Facebook last night. Judd, you and me, Manny Hill was hanging out with us. And then our plan was to do, we were going to get in touch with Courtney and, and Collar from the practice facility during commercial breaks on the radio of the ESPN Radio National coverage. 
They took like four commercial breaks the entire draft. Yeah, there were, which is awesome for listeners, many. but we didn't get a chance to go on the radio. So, Courtney, we're sorry for snubbing you last night. It was they just. Hey, they didn't take commercial breaks. So what can we say? That's okay. I felt like Lamar Jackson there just waiting and waiting and waiting. And, you know, I Head didn't fly the suit on. But, you know, it's, you made up for it. It's fine. The radio green room where Courtney's just sitting like on her phone Look, waiting Courtney for someone Cronin, to She call. still hasn't That's, been called yeah. by those. <laughs> All right. So what, what's the likely scenario that offensive linemen coming off the board led the Vikings to go with a cornerback? Or that Mike Zimmer said, if you're going to spend $90 million on a quarterback this offseason – I want a defensive player in the first round, and then you can do whatever you want after that, Rick. Well, I mean, of course, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, defense obviously was going to win out somewhere. I know Judd predicted this right after Kirk Cousins was signed that it was going to be a defensive player at 30, just given the amount of money that was spent Kirk Cousins' way. But, you know, I think, I think where the run on interior offensive linemen started really threw this into a tailspin. Um, I don't think anybody really – uh, predicted Detroit to go that high with um, with an offensive lineman, and especially Frank Ragnow. There really wasn't a whole ton of buzz um, with him going there. I thought they were going to go with a defensive tackle and take Taven Bryan. But, you know, once once Ragnow went off the board and then Price and then Isaiah Wynn, um, I think that that gave the Vikings an opportunity to see, okay, can we get through a few more picks to see if Guys like Connor Williams, Will Hernandez potentially, James Daniels, if they would still be there tomorrow, because then you have a better value for what they believe um, at 30 with, you know, the highest guy they said available on their board and, you know, fulfilling more of a luxury need right now. But it could become a very real possibility that Mike Hughes is a guy that develops year one and then could have a more prominent role depending upon what happens with Terrence Newman the development of Mackenzie Alexander in year three and where Trey Wings is, uh, you know, beyond 2018. So uh, trying to cut through the Spielman BS a bit, Courtney, what does this pick mean? Uh, Because to me, to me, when when you take a guy like this in the first round, yet there's a development period for sure. Uh, but does this mean that Zim is basically saying uh, in, in his heart of hearts what he would like is at some point here very soon that if he's starting three cornerbacks, they're all first-round picks? Yeah, and I mean, look, look at what, um, you know, look at the development from Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes where, you know, they were development, they were developmental prospects each to their own, to their own varying degree, but you know, you get them into his system, you know, coming off the bench and kind of in a two- to three-year period, their starters there in that secondary. You know, I think that he's potentially a fit for that. And I mean, he's played a lot outside, and he's done, you know, he's been in the slot too. I mean, it's easier, Zimmer said, to start them outside because, you know, playing nickel's hard. I mean, I think that that's what, you know, we kind of lost sight of with Mackenzie Alexander because you're talking about a lot of these zone coverages and, you know, where you have to be, and it's a lot more technical of a position than playing outside corner. So, you know, I think that it could potentially give them an option for their sub packages to, you know, use four cornerbacks and a safety and and kind of switch things up there. I think the flexibility and the versatility allows them to do more in that secondary where they do have a lot of question marks. But as far as what it means, I mean, he's not going to be playing back there right away. I mean, this is, you know, this is a project. It's a guy who some people, some analysts thought that he probably shouldn't, he might have, should have stayed another year in college um, and still has a lot of work to be done. But 
for the value, you know, when they're going to be in the situation with Hughes, you know, hands out in a couple of years, be able to have his fifth-year option, I think that it's, it's not a bad pick in that regard because then you have stability in your secondary. Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com with us, Mackie and Judd. It feels like it feels like they've done almost as much as they can, assuming that they shore up offensive line here second round. I'm, I'm guessing you're going to see multiple offensive linemen drafted between now and the end of the seventh round by the Vikings. It feels like they've done about everything they can to take a horrible loss in the NFC Championship game and be aggressive in the offseason to, to, to push forward and not feel stagnant. I mean, to add a $30 million a year top 12-ish quarterback and to add Sheldon Richardson and Kendall Wright is a good veteran wide receiver, your number three guy. And now, you know, adding potentially a, a top defensive piece. I mean, th- this is this is how you should respond. And this isn't really a question to you. This is just my thought, Courtney. I think this is how you have to respond when you get beat like that in an NFC Championship game and maybe run the risk of having a deflated start to the next season with a tougher schedule. I mean, absolutely. You saw they got killed by the RPOs with Nick Foles. I mean, the secondary was horrible um, in in the final, you know, few games, but particularly in that NFC Championship. And you know, we saw with the corner rotation against the Saints, um, you know, Mackenzie Alexander giving up, you know, that fourth and ten to Drew Brees, and then when when Xavier Rhodes got hurt, and Terrence Newman gave up the touch, the Michael Thomas touchdown, I believe. I mean, there's. There was a lot of work to be done with this secondary, so it's not necessarily the top priority. I mean, your priority is protecting your $84 million quarterback, and even after that, I would say the next priority in my head was potentially finding the replacement for Sheldon Richardson after he you know, chucks up a deuce and gets a bunch of sacks and, and goes and hits the open market and, and makes a ton of money next year, and they can't afford him necessarily, so... You know, I thought this was kind of the third need there, but it's definitely in probably a more underrated need just because, you know, everybody thinks it's fine right now. If Dan Newman comes back and maybe a DB role, Mackenzie Alexander will finally grab hold of a nickel role. There's still so much uncertainty beyond 2018. And, you know, having depth back there, especially with how, you know, the rotation that someone, you know, plays some of those rotational corners uh, coming off the bench, I think it just helps because, this was an area that was a glaring hole during the NFC Championship, and I mean they they got torched by Nick Foles, and I think you know they they responded the best way they could, and you know it was a good value for the pick at the time. This was not true here for a long, long time, Courtney. But how much do you feel like now that this team has the ability uh, to take on certain players with with character concerns? I mean, Hughes has mm-hmm. has a couple of things, and they might not be huge, but they're but they're concerns. But it does feel to me, uh, from hearing like you and Collar t- talk about the players on this team, that there is a stability that probably didn't exist here for quite a, a while, and that stability gives them the ability to take on guys who might have some uh, some uh, check marks in their past. No, it's a good point, Judd. I mean, you take a look at you know, Sheldon Richardson obviously had some off-the-field stuff. Mike Hughes, I mean, sexual assault is big off-the-field thing, regardless yep. of whether it's a charge or it's an accusation. If you have that on your name, that's a very big thing that – you know, and he was very upfront about it with teams, um, according to Rick Spielman. And when we asked him about it last night, it's kind of it's kind of a touchy subject to talk about over a conference call. So, you know, I'm sure more about that will come to light. And you know, even last year with Dalvin Cook, I mean, there were some character concerns there, and they were not worried about it whatsoever. And Rick said yesterday, you know, it's, it was no question in his mind that this guy was going to be a Minnesota Viking after they did their research. 
And I think it's just the way that they structured their locker room. I mean, when people ask me, who's the dominating personality? Who's, who's the guy? Who's your Odell Beckham in the Vikings locker room? You really can't point to anybody in specific. Um, and I think that that helps when you, when you have character concerns. And it's not, you know, trying to judge or slander anybody's character, but you get them into an environment where they're supported and where they're insulated. Um, and, you know, where, where they're, you know, whether if there was a temptation or something that could potentially throw them off, you get them away from that and out of that environment. Um, I think Dalvin Cook's a perfect example of that. Once he got up here, he did not leave. He went back to Miami a few times just to see people, but he did his off-season stuff last year all here. Second, he got up here for rookie minicamp. He pretty much did not leave, and you know he's still here all this off season. I think that that changes guys, um, especially guys who are potentially in a situation where they could fall back into something. Um, and 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 that to me is you know pretty huge. Just you know a nice, you know nice sign that we saw from Dalvin Cook, and you know they clearly are confident that they made the right choice here because they know from you know obviously years before I got here, um, and years even before Rick was. You know, in the position he's in now, they had a lot of issues with that that they cannot ever afford to go back to facing. Will, uh, I, I saw an ad. I was going through Instagram yesterday, and there's uh, I've told you guys, Judd and Dave, about this this uh, T-shirt company, Homage, H-O-M-A-G-E, and they do T-shirt giveaways. And yesterday, they did a giveaway. Like, if you comment in the comment section or whatever, like, you get this custom T-shirt. There's only one that they make, and it was a list of all the failed Browns quarterbacks. It was just a brown-colored T-shirt with, like, a full list of all the crappy Browns quarterbacks since 1999. So, Courtney, will Baker Mayfield just be another name on that list, or do you think Baker Mayfield is the one that's going to help turn that franchise around? Man, um, it would be the most Viking. It would, excuse me. It would be the most thing ever to have. You know, I mean, he, he he's the Johnny Manziel prototype, and that's not the off-the-field stuff, but the way he plays the game. And, you know, I think that you get – I don't know whether that's Jimmy Haslam's problem or, like, why this has happened so many times and they haven't been able to remedy it yet. I thought they were going to take another quarterback. I thought they were going to take Josh Rosen or Josh Allen at number four. I said I said that jokingly, like, half jokingly but half serious. And I think it's like it would have been the optimal strategy if that's the position that you can't solve to take both guys, right? Yeah. And, I mean, it's it would be the most Browns thing ever. But, you know, I think Baker Mayfield, all the buzz that we heard about you know, the switch, and they were originally going to go with Sam Darnold, but then they apparently knew weeks ago who they were going with. I don't know. Um, I'm not surprised. I think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the draft. I do think Josh Rosen was the best of the best. And, you know, people will find out that, you know, the the trade that was made, I think Arizona won, you know, won the draft night last night because of, you know, their pick. And, you know, to me, you know, Mayfield's going to be a, pretty, a very good quarterback. I still feel like uh, Rosen, by the time this is all said and done, will will be the guy we're talking about five, six years from now of this class who's made the most of it. Only in this league, Courtney, it, do we have a situation where a team would prefer to take on what appears to be a punkish, immature kid than a kid that's smart. Josh Rosen's I mean, biggest thing is he's headstrong and he's smart, and teams hate that, and they're serious. They really don't like it. Yeah, it's the sit down and shut up and keep, you know, yep. and just, you know, you're you're the young guy coming in and you have to learn. And I understand that to a degree, but I think that it's, you know, such an antiquated way of thinking that we we criticize our critical thinkers and people who want, people who want to ask questions because of, you know, the military type style of, you know, structure within football teams. And, you know, I've never been a part of a football team. I, I'm not putting any slight on that, but 
I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it all pans out. I mean, he may be very well getting the last laugh about this when we're talking about the five quarterbacks that went in the first round in 2018. Um, and you know, he got a shout out from Aaron Rodgers. I think he felt his pain there a little bit. Uh, you know, for for where he slid down, and you know, it should be it should be a good thing. You know, to kind of prove a lot of people wrong that maybe maybe someday the NFL will see the light and will turn the tide and not criticize guys for not being the Tom Brady prototype where you open up their head and there's a football instead of a brain. In place of a brain. Or in the form of a brain. It's just like, well put. It's just scrambled football and laces. All right, you can find Courtney's Vikings coverage at ESPN.com. All right, enjoy the rest of uh, the next two days of of Draft World, and we'll talk soon. Have fun, Courtney. See you. All right, that's Courtney. She's an awesome Vikings analyst, and she's a regular guest on the Purple Podcast as well. So if you think about it, this is a league where where teams actively say that they want their QB to step in and be a CEO. And when a guy shows the qualities of a CEO, guess what they say? We can't deal with him. So let's come back and talk more about that. I actually think as, as mad as Josh Rosen was, I think this is the best, this is probably the best scenario for him in multiple ways. Mackie and Judd in a write that down session coming up at 10 o'clock. Chris Singleton on Twins and Baseball at 1130. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Here we go! On 1500 ESPN. Right now on the 1500 ESPN stream player, a $25 Visa gift card thanks to Luther Brookdale Toyota. That's where Mackie shops. You can shop where Mackie shops. Head to 1500ESPN.com and click on the stream player to find out how you can win that $25 Visa gift card. I was pretty pissed off. I fell. Uh, One, two, and three uh, went by. And... uh, uh, just kind of went into a blur after that. I was I was really angry. Teams were passing on me. That was Josh Rosen, who dropped. He, he dropped down to the the fourth quarterback taken in the draft last night. Lamar Jackson almost fell out of the first round, and I, we saw some mock drafts where like Baltimore eventually took him, but it was the 16th pick. Excuse me, that a lot of people thought Baltimore was going to take him with. They Baltimore traded back twice and yes. then selected somebody else, and then eventually mm-hmm. took traded Lamar with- Jackson later. Yeah, because they, they, they got back in with the, the last pick. Yeah, yeah so I right. think what you're seeing, allow me to speak from a place of, of a fringe millennial. Technically, because Harrigan and I were born in the mid-'80s, we are millennials. Like, millennial apparently is 1981 or 2. All right. If you're born basically from, like, 1982 until 2000, you're a millennial. So I think of millennials as being born in the 90s, but, you know, Dave and I are fringe millennials, and, like, I know I have millennial tendencies, one of them being... Because you grew up in the information age, every step of the way throughout school, we had computers. You could Google things. I mean, Google came into existence when I was in like junior high, and so information's always available. It's easier to learn and get better and evolve. And so, people who were born in the '80s or '90s are often more likely to question a norm or to want more information before they proceed with something that they're just being told to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're seeing with Josh Rosen, yeah, he's brash and he's cocky, but mostly, as you saw in the job, was it the Trent Dilfer 11 camp like five years ago? ESPN ran a special, the Dilfer 11, where they brought in all these high school quarterbacks, the top high school quarterbacks in the country, and Dilfer and Josh Rosen clashed heads. This is like a 17 or 18-year-old Josh Rosen. Yeah. Because Dilfer's kept saying, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do it this way. And Rosen's like, that doesn't make any sense. Why don't we do it this way? And it was like this clash. Now, should Josh Rosen have just listened to a guy who's been an NFL quarterback? And should he just listen to coaches who have more experience? 
To some degree, yes. But I think what you're seeing and the reason why he dropped to four, and I think he's going to be the best quarterback of the bunch, is old guard NFL mindsets. Guys who are who've been in the league for 20, 30, 40 years, scouts, GMs, evaluators, and a lot of cases, coaches, mm-hmm. who are used to coaching a certain way and getting a certain response back from players, including quarterbacks, and Josh Rosen, and he ain't going to be the last one. There's a whole wave of these type of quarterbacks who were born in a certain era that want the answer to why. It's a battle between Josh Rosen representing this era of athletes and old guard NFL. And I love it. I think Arizona probably got the steel quarterback of the draft, and Josh Rosen is going to be better off for being in a better infrastructure in Arizona than he would be in Cleveland, so it's a win for him. Absolutely he will. And he gets to be mad about it and play better because he's mad about it. but But here's where I like to go back to a little thing that I call common sense, okay? Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns need to reestablish or actually establish something. They have nothing. And so the Cleveland Browns, whose infrastructure just simply sucks right now, had a chance to draft a headstrong guy. And by the way, they've got a coach who they're almost certainly going to blow out. So what Hugh Jackson thinks is important, but not super important. Hey, Brett Brown stuck around for the for the Philadelphia 76ers resurgence. But my, but my point being is if you're the Cleveland Browns, and and John Dorsey, who runs them now, is a football guy through and through. He's a meat and potatoes f- football guy, a longtime scout, and he's good at that. But if you are the Cleveland Browns, you had a chance to establish something by bringing in a headstrong quarterback who who is the who appears to be the definition from this group of a guy who would step in and be a CEO type. And instead, you're faced with the prospect of drafting five QBs, and you go for you go for the guy who had the stats. Who you know is has a general tendency at times certainly to be a punk. Baker Mayfield can be a punk. I mean, nobody who else gets who else grabs their crotch when you're playing Kansas, runs out to the center of the field after you beat Ohio State and plants the flag, shows up at the Rose Bowl with basically taunting banners. So the whole thing is the Cleveland Browns had an opportunity to draft a quarterback. Who they could have, who they could have installed, and who they, who yes, they might have butted heads with occasionally, but who also could have helped define them, and instead they take Baker Mayfield. Where's the common sense there? Like, like yeah. this is this is the definition of the type of player that you probably need. And yeah, he might be a pain in the ass some days, but guess what? He's a quarterback. Well, but I, but and this is where I'm going to hedge a little. I'm not 100 percent sure that Josh Rosen is going to be exponentially better than Baker Mayfield. I'm I'm confident Josh Rosen is the guy that I would pick and I would and I feel more comfortable about Josh Rosen being the best quarterback in this draft. I don't think that I don't think it's zero sum. I don't think it means that Baker Mayfield's going to be a bust, but like you, no, but I would be very concerned about all these other things that um that that feel a little Johnny Manzellish in terms well, sure. of on the field, you know, but, scrambling but around my, style. But, but my point is look at your infrastructure. Look at your current infrastructure. If Baker Mayfield had gotten taken by the Patriots, guess what? I say he's probably going to succeed Brady, and he might be very uh, a, a success. But when Baker Mayfield is now going to Cleveland, which has a reputation of ha- of having problems, and you had an opportunity to draft a quarterback who would have at least gone in there and and been headstrong in a good way, mm-hmm. I don't see the negative there. Yeah. On the Josh Rosen thing, I mean, this is this is a lesson to all football coaches. Quarterbacks 
are, and it's not all of them. I mean, Sam Darnold isn't quite as headstrong, and I could, it's not all of them. But you're going to get a lot more Josh Rosens now than you did 20 years ago. Well, absolutely. So you can either shrug your shoulders and throw your hands in the air and say, well, I mean, this is just a pain in the ass. I don't want to deal with someone who's got a lot of thoughts on things, who's got opinions on things. and Right. I mean, you can either, if that's the case, and Josh Rosen turns out to be the next coming of Aaron Rodgers then, because you weren't able to coach it and deal with it, you just missed out on an amazing franchise quarterback. Yes. So to me, it's on the coaches and it's on the scouts and the GMs to evolve the way that they handle personalities like Josh Rosen. And you didn't want to deal with it because when it comes down to it, it scared you. For sure. And so you would rather deal with a guy who might be a problem because he's more of a, what you consider to be a football guy. He's going to fall in line. and Yeah. But there are, so. like someone someone tweeted in here, and we'll get to write that down shortly. Frank said, I think the main reason he dropped is because he's opinionated as hell and doesn't mind speaking it. But, I mean, there's a lot of athletes who are opinionated as hell. Look at the NBA, for God's sakes. I mean, just because you're opinionated and speak your mind. Now, if he's going to, now if it gets down to like the things that he's saying are going to divide a locker room, okay, well then. But I don't think that's the case. I think I think he's more self-aware than people give him credit for. And he even said last night, he's like, I'm mad. Like I'm going to be brash. I'm mad. But you know what? I'm going to be super respectful when I walk into that locker room. And Now, he might have to smooth some things over with, like, Sam Bradford, who's the incumbent starter, making about, what, $20 million? He'll be hurt in three games. Don't worry that's about true. it. That's true. But for training camp, anyways. He's got a chronically <laughs> bad knee. All right, we have an accountability session to get to. Write that down, predictions, when we come back. And uh, listener predictions as well. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios.